Hey everybody, Six Pack Lapidat here. Before we get into this episode, real quick, want to tell you about FusionMuscles.com. Head there for all of your supplements. Use the promo code KOTL25. Get 25% off your supplements, whatever you want, and it gets dropped right to your house. Cannot get more convenient. It's a hell of a discount. And if you want us to up our game in terms of the audio, you want us to keep up in our quality, help us improve the show you've been listening to, give back, you're already buying supplements, buy them from FusionMuscle.com and use the promo code KOTL25. With no further ado, let's get into it. Six Pack Lapidat, and today we got... Robbie Little. Robbie Little. The weekend um, guy. The weekend, the, the, the second string. Yeah. Robbie, real quick, the last podcast we did together was Garrett Fear Podcast. And yeah. crunching the numbers, um, like first off, holy shit, do people like that podcast. Everybody yeah. and their mother was reposting as soon as they heard it, you gotta listen to this podcast. And um, I just found out we just hit top 10% of any podcast in the world. That podcast, that top 10, huge. top 10% in the world. Now there's a, admittedly, there's a big difference between top 10%, top 5%, top 1%, like Joe Rogan style. There's a huge <laughs> gulf. Um, all right. Like just because you're in the top 10 percentile doesn't mean me and Joe Rogan are now fucking having a coffee. You understand what I'm saying? No, not we're, quite yet. I'll be in the future. We're not having a fucking whiskey. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? He's not on the phone with me. Yeah. He's not. I'm not on his radar. Yeah. But to find out the podcast top ten percent in the fucking world—that's huge. We're getting up there now, dude. It's uh, <laughs> it's big. It's uh, I mean that that was and th- and that happened usually. Um, it takes. I think they they track it by thirty day period or maybe even a little longer. We made top ten within three days. <laughs> That's crazy. Dude, three <laughs> days. We're some some like it could be bigger. Now again, jumping from. Top 10 to top five is a huge golf. So I don't anticipate even like we did that in three days uh, and you might start getting ahead of yourself being like, wow, imagine we hit the 30 day mark, we could be top five. Nah, it's fucking, it's like that bell curve type. Like it's a big jump, okay? It's just like, but still cool as shit to know how all the podcasts floating around out there. That Garrett Fear story, man. That was definitely a wild story. It was wild. Like, I, it wouldn't be, like, look at we, we might, who knows, break into the top five in the world by 90 days. That's crazy. And I'm glad, like, when, when you got a story like that with a power lifter like Garrett Fears, and it is, that's one of those stories. I went to work, and I was still thinking about it and told people at work, I got to tell you this story. I went to the gym, and Kafwe um, was there doing, like, a video for a chiropractor or whatever video he's doing with somebody. And I just saw them. This was right after we filmed this. I went to the gym. It was still obviously very much on my mind. And he was talking to me like, man, I got to tell you something. He's like, what? I go, listen to this. And the chiropractor girl who was setting up her camera for the video, like stopped, turned around. Uh, another guy, like people were like crowding around like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was telling them, man, the story I heard, it was crazy, man. Yeah, we'll be sharing that for years. I know I was telling everyone at work about it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much tell me, like, shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, wow, they, they always tell you shut the fuck up, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the that side, dude. That's I mean. why I was so quiet last time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, but uh, speaking of uh, sharing a whiskey with Joe Rogan, 
Um, everybody's talking about it. Let's talk about it here, too. I'm a huge UFC fan. Anyone who listens to this knows I'm a Conor McGregor fan, but it's getting harder and harder to be a Conor McGregor fan. Who I don't know if anyone's seen this, but uh, Conor McGregor, there's footage out there. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's, yeah. let me just say something. Let me, let me set this up. At a bar in Ireland, and it looks like it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, no less. People are drinking whiskey. Yeah, it's still daylight. This is like <laughs> such a Irish, stereotypical Irish situation. Bunch of people drinking whiskey, three o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. probably fucking Tuesday. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And <laughs> um, the next day. And Conor McGregor, who's a billionaire and super famous, and he's just in some whatever local yeah. pub, and no one oh, gives yeah. a fuck. They're just like, yeah, there's Conor McGregor, but I'm also drinking my whiskey. Yeah. You know what I mean? And <laughs> Drinking after work, just going to the pub down the street. It, or even if they were after work, man. It looked like they didn't show up for the afternoon shift. But anyways, <laughs> um, sitting around having some whiskeys, and you see Conor McGregor walk up to some older guys. And when I say older, like, how old do you think they were? Maybe like 60 or so. Like, yeah. not too old. But, yeah, 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 like 60-something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to paint the picture they're like 85. Yeah. But 60. And um, they're all having some whiskeys. Connor says, hey, throw down some glasses. I'm going to have some whiskey with these fellas. So, um, you know, on me, obviously, right? And it's Connor oh, yeah. McGregor's Proper 12 whiskey. This is his whiskey. Oh, yeah. This is what's made him millions of dollars. And he's buying the fellas, the local bar flies, some, some whiskey. Yeah, that's stuff on the top shelf and everything. Yeah, but oh, hey, hey, what are you saying? People are buying it? What do you, what do you mean, dust it off the <laughs> no. top shelf? Oh, no, like, not many people have spent, like... Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, nice yeah. backpedaling. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyways. No so anyways, they um they all clink the glasses, and one of these six-year-old gentlemen is like, I, I guess he said, I don't want to dr- I don't drink that shit. I don't want that shit. Or something along the lines, dissing his whiskey. <laughs> Not dissing Connor, being like, you're a piece of shit, but saying that whiskey shit, and I don't want none of it. And Probably took the shit. glass and shifted it away from himself embarrassing Connor. Oh, yeah. Now, Connor chugged the whiskey with the fellas, put his glass down, and was full, like, he, he got his blood up. He got an Irishman yeah. drinking, and his blood got up. Yeah, I like how he did the shot first before well, he Well, Robbie, it's a, it's a, you got to respect the whiskey. Yeah, just in case it got kicked out, I'm just going right. to finish this. That's right. And then he proceeded to sucker punch the six-year-old man in the face with his left hand, which is the same left hand he knocked cold Jose Aldo, the greatest featherweight of all time, cold. Same left hand he bounced up and down the canvas like a volleyball, um, like a basketball with Eddie Alvarez to win the lightweight title. Like the same left hand he's ruined Chad Mendez and sucker punched the 60-year-old man. And then the funny thing is, you know you're in Ireland, when the six-year-old dude took the shot, like not literally the whiskey shot, but took the Conor McGregor shot and didn't flinch, didn't yeah. say shit, didn't make a commotion, the fellas who were beside him kept drinking and a couple guys pushed Conor away out of view of the camera and then they returned to the bar and kept drinking. Like that was just, well, that was a little bit of a Donnybrook there for a second, eh, fellas? And they kept drinking and... Oh, and by the way, this happened four months ago. Yeah. So, was there a charges and lawsuit? Or yeah. is this just another day at the pub? Yeah. A couple old fellas figuring it out. Yeah. Well, yeah, we figured it out. Relax. Yeah, just imagine if like, he did some real damage. Like, I'm sure it really hurt and did some damage, but... 
He's yeah. knocked some guys out and given concussions. Before. That would yeah, that probably would be different. Yeah. If the old guy was slumped over his look, at, <laughs> he was he was sitting at the bar stool. Like if he knocked him off his bar stool and he's spreading, if he looked like Jose Aldo, he yeah. slept him like Jose Aldo. Yeah. I think everybody'd be like, "Whoa, hey, what the?" Or you yeah. would hope. Oh, yeah. Or maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'd step over him and continue their whiskeys yeah. and uh, push him into a yeah. booth. And when he wakes up, he finishes his whiskey. Yeah. I don't know how they... The only, the, what I'm trying to say is this is such a stereotypical what you think happens in an Irish bar at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't help this air Irish stereotypes. First off, if you're in a bar, don't pick a fight. I don't care if he's 60 years old and you're in Ireland. The guy can take a punch. Oh, yeah. Okay. The crazy thing is, is like this is like the pride of uh, Ireland too. This is one of like the yeah. top famous people of Ireland. Yeah. No, this is like Wayne, this is like if you're in Canada, Wayne Gretzky sucker punched me at the bar. <laughs> I'm like, that's a big deal, bro. Yeah. How did this happen four months ago, and we're just seeing this now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no settled, big deal. Settled out of court or something too. The only thing more. This is like if this is Canada and we're stereotypical Canadian. We were at a Boston pizza pizza watching a hockey game. And he hit me with a bottle of maple syrup. Do you understand? <laughs> and it was Wayne. Oh, and by the way, it was Wayne Gretzky. Do you understand? That would be the more stereotypical Canada to Irish situation. He's actually going to his own winery too and his own whiskey. So, Ooh, uh, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. So well, maybe you could smack him with a whiskey uh, bottle. If he, if he offers me somebody, get that shit out of my face, bro. <laughs> and I'm, I'll stick my chin out and let him flow on it. But I tell you what, I'll take the shot and then I'll take 60 mil off the top. Yeah, because I'm not the old Irish guy. Barfly. I don't take. I'm wondering if there is going to be repercussions now, okay. because there's video and everything. You think Conor McGregor is worth billions, man? Well, yeah. Not literally billions. I'm running my mouth a little, but um, he's worth a lot of money. You would think the first thing in your head, if you take a shot from Conor McGregor, I'm, dude, I'm a millionaire. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a millionaire. Uh, if I was beside, if I seen that happen, if I was in the bar, I seen Conor McGregor, sucker punch that old man, I would be like, oh, hey, by the way, I just had your shot and yeah, I thought it tastes like shit too. And then I would have stuck my fucking chin out and just brace for it. It would suck. Yeah, brace for it. But I'm going to take that shot every time. There's anything you can do. Like, it's how many people, like, for 30 mil, I'd fight Mike yeah. Tyson. I would have pulled the guy on top of me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, ground, like. I would have pulled Connor on top of me. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, come on, man. Let's fucking, let's mix it up a little. Yeah, fucking. I don't know. I don't know. I'm surprised Connor took the bait that easy. Like, yeah. he seems to be a little off kilter. I kind of, kind of wonder what went on, though. There must have been something that was. Well, so Connor goes easy. to the bar often. That guy goes to that bar often. They know each other. Yeah. Like, semi know each other. So maybe the guy's always a prick. Maybe yeah. he's always got something to say. And maybe uh-huh. Connor, that's the last straw. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say is the old man deserved it. Can I say, okay, can I be honest? The old man got what he had yeah. coming. And, 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 and he got it in the back of the head. like <laughs> 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 He got what he had coming and he got it from behind. Okay, <laughs> like a fucking, like a coward. <laughs> okay, yeah. so... I don't know. It's getting harder and harder to be a Connor fan. Another yeah. thing, you were telling me about that movie you saw, Us. Yeah. That was a great movie, yeah. Was... Uh, a, a horror movie. Yeah. And um, Jordan Peele. People meet up with their doppelgangers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a, it's a pretty cool horror movie. Like, I've actually had nightmares about this before. You're such a It's pussy. almost like he was like... <laughs> Must have been like recording me. Do you think there's somebody else out there like you? (laughs) (laughs) Who who is this gentleman? I gotta meet him. I feel bad for them. If I meet, if I meet my other doppelganger, I'm gonna be like, you gotta, yeah, fucking piece on you too. What are you working with? That's the first thing I gotta know. Are you working with the same piece? If you gotta, 
If you look like me and got a bigger piece than me, I'm going to be upset. I could hear him by the dragging off the floor. Okay, settle down. <laughs> All right. Well, be classy about it, Robbie. Like, if, if, you're, you're taking the old if you're going to lie, go big. And you're going way big here. It's like a horror movie, like you hear something coming down the hall. All right. Okay. <laughs> and, and your girlfriend's like, what's that noise? I think it's a fucking piece. I think somebody's dragging their piece down the hall. And then you go, it must be my doppelganger. <laughs> and your girlfriend's like, shut up. Oh, Jesus. But, uh, Not this again. Oh, here we go again with the doppelganger and the big piece that you're having nightmares about. Yeah, same nightmare again. Same old nightmare again. <laughs> Give me a little bit of NyQuil. Not yeah. Yet. But um, I wanted to say, so a buddy of mine at work told me about in the U.S. there's a house this new couple, and this is going to actually be a Netflix special. You know I'm all over that Netflix. Moved into a new house, $1.3 million in Jersey. And um, they got a, a letter from, it, was, it starts off saying, Dear New Neighbor. And then it says, um, I just want to introduce myself. I have been watching your house for the past three decades. My father before me watched that house for decades his father before him watched that house for decades. My family, that house has been standing for 150 years. My family has lived across your house and been watching it for as long as that house has stood. And then it goes on to say like some, and it's like, well, that's a little fucking creepy. Thank you. And then it says, um, I hope you understand the house you're moving in is a special house. It has powers. The walls aren't just the walls. There's a lot of secrets in there. And if you've ever been in the basement, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about and felt that. And they're like, well, now you're getting creepy. And then the person goes on to say, I'm sure Tim, I'm sure James, will, be, will they're going to investigate and they're going to want to go in the basement. That's the guy's kids, by the way. And he knows them by name already. <laughs> and he says, you're going to want to be careful when they go in the basement. Because it's a long way up to your room. If they're in the basement at night, you wouldn't even hear them screaming. And then th that's, that's some crazy, crazy shit yeah. where you're like, okay, well, this is starting to get weird. And then he goes, now don't worry. I've been watching you just like the family before I was watching. That's why they had to leave. The house wanted them to leave. And then the guy's like, all right. I'm talking to the family we bought this house off of. Hey, douchebag, remember when you sold me the house? You forgot to tell me there's a crazy person watching yeah. and knows who I am and all this other stuff and now is like sending me letters and signed the watcher. Okay, so they do an investigation. There's a kid on the street, social media. He's called the watcher. There's an old couple that um, always sits out front and people watch. It's like all old couple, but the problem is they seem to always be facing the house. There's a guy who's somewhat mentally challenged on the street and has ideas about like, like he's got some weird ideas he talks about and, he, and he's got like boundary issues with, with houses and families. And, um, and it could be him because he's he, like, they oh, don't yeah. know. So there's a, a bunch of suspects. Yeah. And they don't know where the, who, who wrote the letter, though, because it's obviously yeah. just dropped off, handwritten. Yeah, there's a little bit of foreshadowing in that movie there. Like well, the, the thing is, Robbie, this is supposed to be a real story, and it's going to be made on Netflix. That's crazy. So this really happened. Yeah. This really happened. You can, you can Google it and yeah. read about what really happened, and they, don't, they still don't know who the Watcher is. 
and they're making a Netflix special on it. Yeah, and um, so I have to definitely check that out for sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's creepy as shit. Like you were saying, you really got to check the history of your houses if you watch any of these horror movies. Well, like, well, look at this. Is, I can tell you this is for real. I'll tell you right now. We'll, we'll get Mary on in two seconds here. <laughs> Just give me a second. I'm running my mouth. Um, I rem I, I remember a friend of mine. She was like in an apartment, and um, she said the kitchen was always creepy. And um, she always got weird vibes. You know, sometimes you get weird vibes in certain... You don't know if that's just you. You're alone at night. She's a girl alone at night. Her roommates are gone. Sometimes you get a little creeped out. You watch a show on Netflix and start creeping yourself out. But sometimes she swore, even if everything was going good and there was nothing to be creeped out about. You weren't watching a horror movie. She got creeped out in the kitchen. You can just feel it. You can feel the coldness and your hair stand up a little. Yeah, and that's just me sitting close to you. <laughs> but, um, you know, and that's just, I'm uncomfortably close to you right now. But I mean, just like, it, it regularly she'd feel weird things. So once she was having a barbecue, and her neighbor uh, was over because their, their backyards are, are it's, there's no separation, okay? So she's shooting shit with her neighbor. Neighbor came over, hey, how you doing? They're having a beer. He's flipping, you know, she's flipping some burgers and whatnot. And the guy's like, I don't know, man, I couldn't do it. What you're doing? I couldn't do it. That's creepy. But like, let's hats off because I know this, this house is pretty famous. And it's kind of like some people enjoy that. And she was <laughs> like, uh, enjoy what? And he goes, no, like, because you're, you're in that apartment, right? <laughs> And she goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, it's, no, somebody killed themselves in the kitchen. <laughs> and he, she's like, come again? <laughs> somebody killed themselves in the kitchen. Now be a girl living alone in that house. And you'll be like telling your roommate, you're not allowed to leave without me or whatever the shit. Like, that's creepy, yeah. man. Well, after watching a bunch of horror movies and knowing well, what like, happened. Yeah, well, like watch a horror movie about a haunted house now. Yeah. Like when Halloween rolls around and everybody's got scary shit outside and people are talking ghost stories and they're talking about your house. Yeah. And the yeah. kids up the street walk by and point <laughs> at your house. And when they look in the window, because the girl who killed, it was a girl who killed themselves. Yeah. When they look in the window in Halloween and you look out and see them, they run because they think that's you. Oh, yeah. You're the ghost looking <laughs> back. And, oh my God, she looked at my... And run away. And you're like, hey, hey, you guys are scaring the shit out of me too. You know what I'm saying? Like... And obviously now you're playing tricks with your head and it's weird as hell, man. Well, maybe that's a twist. Maybe she's actually the ghost. Oh, look at you. <laughs> with the Netflix. Right. You're sending this into Netflix right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. And you're going to be the hero with the big piece and the whole nine. To sponsor us for this. Yeah, sure. Well, hey, I'm in. Give us um, a free monthly thing that's for right. I'm promoting in. all these movies. I got you. I got you. Um, I, I actually use Randy, our co-host, Randy Cook's Netflix God bless Netflix. You can have like five people on it. I'm, I'm using Randy's and you can just use his password and everything. I don't know how many people got Randy's. I'll give you Randy's Netflix. As a matter of fact, um, stay tuned. Today in this episode, I'll give out Randy's password and we're all going to just gangbang that Netflix. Well, you have to schedule yourself so you can't all watch it at once. Yeah, because you can, you're going to slow it down. So we'll, we'll work out some timeshares. Um, we'll work it out. Don't worry about it. But um, today we got Mariana. And uh, Gaspar Ryan, hopefully I'm not butchering your last name, um, but I, just a quick review. If you don't know who Marianne is, you're probably not a big powerlifting fan. In the untested, um, she got the biggest Wilkes of all time. Man or woman, 720 Wilkes. Got it at the U.S. Open in probably the most anticipated, I say anticipated, we didn't know she'd be head-to-head -head same division, 56 kilo with Steffi Cohen. But we knew she was going to be battling out with Steffi Cohen to take that Wilkes. 
And the fact that she actually dropped into Steffi Cohen's weight class, because she's usually a weight class up, and they went head-to-head, and that was one of the best battles I've ever seen, Man. my friend. Um, and ended off, she ended off with 720. Steffi Cohen ended off with 698 Wilkes, which is both ridiculous. That's huge. Uh, like, it's, it's monstrous. But just to give you some of her numbers, Mariana in wraps... Now, weighing in 56 kilo, that's 123 pounds or whatever the conversion is. 123 pounds squatted 260 kilo, which in freedom units for our Americano friends, and that's just ridiculous. 260 kilo is 572 pounds. (laughs) Crazy. That's 123 pounds. Like, okay, let's say she cut 10 pounds of water. She's a 135-pound woman. Squatting 572 in wraps. She bench pressed 132.5 kilo. That's 290 some odd pounds. It's ridiculous. That's what she bench pressed. She's a 123-pound woman, put 10 pounds of body weight back on her from water, ended up deadlifting 220 which is 484 pounds deadlift. And she, I mean, her deadlift is, you know, she doesn't deadlift like Steffi Cohen. Steffi Cohen, by the way, deadlifted 240. What was that, love? What's 240? So Steffi Cohen weighing in a legit 120 uh, some odd pounds because she was was 54.4 kilo, deadlifted 528 pounds. Massive. Which is a two hundred which is a, a two hundred and forty kilo like it's it's ridiculous yeah. what these ladies did at the US yeah. Open watching it. I was like, this is absolute bonkers. When Steffi came on the preview show and said, I think seven hundred's gonna win it, I need to I need to hit seven hundred, I was like, That's ridiculous. That can't be reality, can it? And sure as shit, Steffi Cohen hit like six ninety eight point whatever the hell, basically seven hundred. Yeah. And God bless, that should have won it. I thought that was nuts when she said that. Yeah, and she hit that. Yeah. But Mariana coming in 720 was even even more bonkers, I think. You know, so That just shows the level of competition, too. Like You have these athletes coming up. People are getting better and better. Poor Steffi Cohen. Every time she shows up to the U.S. Open, she, like, when she hit, like, look at that, 700. When she finished off, that was the highest we'd ever seen. And then Mariana comes in with 720. When Steffi Cohen finished off last year at the U.S. Open, I forget where the Wilkes is now, but she, it was the biggest Wilkes we'd ever seen. It was yeah. the Wilkes record. Oh, yeah. Later on, the same competition, CC comes up and takes it. <laughs> Steffi always seems to, just when she has it, someone else just happens to have the biggest day in history. And it's like, God damn it. Yeah. You know? These are record-breaking days, too. Like, Steffi didn't even have a bad day. Like, she had an amazing day, too. She, absolutely phenomenal day. Just She just needs someone else to have... Like even, just not even a bad day just have a normal day please and thank you I just you know what I mean like just every time she has the best day of her life and the best day of history someone else has the best day in history as well slightly more it's, it's, it's tough she brings out the most in everybody but she's always in the mix and always in big battles so that is going to be a rivalry with Mariana and Steffi Cohen moving forward um, so I want to get Mariana's A I want to ask her about her background because she came over to the US and um, I want to get like the transition she had was it tough? What was life like growing up on her end of the world? It's got to be a culture shock. Um, yeah. I don't know much about where she's from. Yeah. I want to know. So hopefully we dive a little into that. And then I want to bring into her battle with Steffi Cohen. The rivalry with Steffi Cohen, which is like an amazing rivalry. This is, yeah. they are like, I mean, I use this terminology a lot, but like Agassiz Sampras, um, you know, Frazier Alley. Like that is a hell of a rivalry between those two. I can't wait till they go toe-to-toe again. And Steffi Cohen's competing later on this month. And if she could take Mariana's Wilkes record, oh, buddy. <laughs> the rivalry continues. Yeah, the rivalry <laughs> continues. 
So uh, we'll see. So with no further ado, Marianne is going to be coming on. So is her her coach slash husband slash coach of CC Ingram, okay. and CC is also rival rival slash friend of Mariana <laughs> and uh, sporting rival of Steffi Cohen. Like obviously they yeah. all like like each other, but sporting rivalries, they're battling it out. No friends on the platform. You got to, you know, there's only enough for, there's, it's not a team effort. You could train as a team, have the same coach, same team, quote unquote, but you're going to go toe to toe in some, and this is for money. Oh yeah. These big, girls are battling up for cash. Big stakes on the line. This is for real stakes, it's not just history. bragging and history. Yeah. That's right. Historically speaking, as well as money. I mean, it's, you got to do yeah. what you got to do. So we're going to have both on with no further ado. They got themselves an interpreter. Let's give it a go. So, if you can, um, if you could say both of your names, I don't want to mispronounce it. I'm going to turn the volume up a stitch. And then we mm-hmm. could give a little bit of background on, on who you are, some of the, the records you hold. So, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves and you say your names and then we'll get a little background on you. Okay. Окей, мене звати Маріана Гаспарян. Я займаюся пауерліфтингом 7 років. Мене звати Маріана Гаспарян. Я займаюся пауерліфтингом 7 років. І до цього я ніколи не займався ніяким видом спорту більше. І до пауерліфтингу я ніколи не займався ніяким видом спорту. Ти що, сьогодні? Ти зробив Uh, she was saying that before powerlifting, she never did any sports before. Really? So how long, and, and sorry, uh, let's also get the coach um, name as well. Let's do an introduction for him as well. Okay. My name is Sergey. Uh, I am coach maybe 20 years. Uh, I am uh, 39 years old. Я всегда был тренером по бодибилдингу. И сейчас я тренер по пауэрлифтингу уже последние 7 Do that. <laughs> Stay there. Right. Whatever you just did, that was much better. That was good. All right. So he's uh, 39 and he's been the powerlifting coach for the last seven years as well. Three zero thirty years? Yes. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Wowzers. Yes. 39 years. Yeah. 39 years. Okay. Wow. I'm grandfather. I'm grandfather now. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So how did you two, um, for anyone who, who, who doesn't know, um, Mariana obviously has the highest Wilkes of all time in powerlifting. Um, but how old were you, Mariana, when you first started powerlifting? Uh, 23. 23 years old. And how did you find powerlifting? Um... Я познакомилась с Сергеем, Сергей, и просто начала заниматься в спортзале, хотела похудеть. Ah, 
И он увидел э, на первых тренировках, что я сильнее, чем обычные девочки. And he saw that she's uh, stronger than other girls when she was working out. И сказал мне, что и сделал предложение, сказал, хочешь стать чемпионкой мира. And he approached her and, and asked, do you want to be a world champion? <laughs> right off the bat, so Sergey, did you know she is world champion material? До встречи с ней у меня уже был опыт тренировок, тренинга людей около, ну, наверное, 10 лет. Но это был только бодибилдинг. Я знал о пауэрлифтинге, но никогда не был ни на одном соревновании, никогда не выступал, и у меня не было ни одного ученика и знакомого даже. И у меня uh, был уже опыт, когда у моих спортсменов-бодибилдеров росла сила. Я знал, как это делать. And uh, so, whereabouts, whereabouts in Russia were, were you guys located? I'm from Kazakhstan. Very oh, similar, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very similar, Kazakhstan, Very yes. close, Russia. Yes, speak Russia, yes. What's the, okay, so everyone who doesn't know, tell us about Kazakhstan and, and culturally. Is it, is it very much different than Russia? Because at one point, Kazakhstan, was, was it the same? And, and what's the background there? Just for people who don't know. And you can not uh Казахстан, да, это был часть Советского Союза. Это большая по территории страна, но очень маленькая часть населения живет в Казахстане, всего 15 миллионов. В моем городе, где я тренировал Мариану, мы единственные, кто занимались пауэрлифтингом. Бокс, борьба, олимпийский спорт. So no weightlifting very very popular, yes. Oh Olympic weightlifting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olympic yeah, Olympic. yeah. And how much different for people um like in North America, how different is life over in Kazakhstan than North America? Is it a, is it similar or is it very much different culturally or day to day, yeah? Ты знаешь, всегда было так случалось, что самые сильные люди выходили из провинции, из маленьких городов. Well, most powerful people, uh, as a rule, would 
usually originate from the small provinces of Kazakhstan. Я это знал, я знал, что у нас есть шанс. Потому что мы хотели подняться наверх, как любой человек, который хочет подняться наверх. They knew that they had the chance when they were growing up that they can reach the Для меня вообще было очень сложно, потому что в Казахстан я переехала из Армении, и в Казахстане я потеряла как бы свою маму, и я осталась одна. И мне приходилось делать все возможное для того, чтобы выжить и подняться максимально высоко, как могла. Uh, so she's originally from Armenia. Yes. And what? Holy smokes! The plot thickens. So, what is Armenia like in terms of location? Is it very close to Kazakhstan? And and how old were you when you left Armenia? Uh, how old was she? Sorry. She was fifteen years old when she left Armenia. Fifteen. And how old was she? В Армении я жила в городе Ереван, столице. По моим воспоминаниям, это, ну, я сейчас очень скучаю, конечно, по этому городу. In Ereván, it's the capital of Armenia, and she has very good memories about it, and she missed it. Но поехать туда жить не хочу, потому что мне уже нравится здесь. In in how old was she? So she moved from Armenia to Kazakhstan with her mother. Um, was her was her father around at the time as well, or just her and her oh. mother? Yeah, her father is in Armenia right now. Gotcha. So it, so you she moved to Kazakhstan with just her mother. Yes. And and, and what was the move for? Why why Kazakhstan? Was there a reason for that? Потому что в Казахстане жил мамин старший брат. Yeah, she died in Kazakhstan when she was 18. Well, Mariana was 18 years old. Okay, so you were 18 years old alone in Kazakhstan. Oh, wow. So what were you doing to, to uh, support yourself at that point? No, that is the so when Sergey offered her to uh, start doing sport, he understood that it was her chance to reach some heights, especially because it was also offering lots of support. He was always near when uh, she lost her mother, and she knew that she can trust him. 
А, и если он говорит, что я сильная, значит, я могу все сделать, все делать так, как он говорит. And if he said that she's strong, it means that she's strong and she can do whatever. She can reach the light. Gotcha. So then, shortly after, so you lost your mom at 18, and you met Sergey not long after that? Can you say it again, please? So she lost her mom at 18, and, and then she met Sergey not long after that? Ты сначала потеряла маму, потом Сергея встретила? Нет, я встретила Сергея раньше, но спортом начала заниматься намного позже. Сергеем я знакома с 15 лет, а спортом начала заниматься только в 22. Okay, and then started lifting weights, and then at the time, did you know about powerlifting, um, or how did you end up finding out about it? Sergey told you, look, there's a sport called powerlifting, and you should try it out, or? They started learning about powerlifting together, they started watching competitions, finding friends from whom they could learn. And, um, and what was like your, your lifts like in terms of how much weight were you squatting and benching and deadlifting at the time when you first started? When the very first training happened, she squatted 60 kilos. Wow! Come a long way! <laughs> Come a long way! But back then, she weighed 48 kilos. So. Okay. Okay, yeah. But smaller. How tall is Mariana? Сингл-плейтинг. 
она присела 200 кг на первых соревнованиях. She squatted 200 kilo nine months in. Yes. 200 kilos, yes. But it's single for uh, play. Single play. Yeah. Still, that's that's 440 pounds. That's big, no? Yeah. Wowzers! So you picked it up pretty quick. This, um, yes. Yeah. Very, very quick. Very, very quickly. And bench press uh, 90 kilos. And uh, deadlift. No. So when did you decide to leave the IPF and, and not do any of the single ply or anything like that? You're, you're breaking up. We can't really hear what you're saying. You're breaking up. You're muffled. The, the interpreter is very muffled. We can't make out what he's saying. I don't think you're in front of the microphone or something because it's hard to hear. I am very close to microphone. There, now we hear you. Now we hear you. You, you must have moved. Might be a connection issue. Is it better? Way better, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's microphone not. Microphone was blocked. Ah, well, there you go. There you go. All right. So, okay. So, so, uh, so what were you saying there? We missed a piece of that. So when she met the qualifications for the world tournament, the main coach forgot to list her in, in the list of the competitors because he was an alcoholic. What? He's saying that it's a very big problem that the main coach in the country is an alcoholic and very irresponsible, forgets to list people. Oh, no. And this is the Kazakhstan. I decided to leave the IPF, yeah, after the second tournament. Okay, well, I guess so. In this year, the champion of the world is And this year, on the world and this year, during the World Championship, the whole Kazakhstan team was disqualified. Yeah. Uh, and there is no time to wait for two years. Uh, 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 until they are going to be approved again. So they decided to try themselves out in alter alternative. 
considerations. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then at what point um, did you end up moving to the U.S.? Because now you're located in the U.S., right? No. Mm-hmm. Yes, right now they're in the U.S. И когда вы решили переехать? Мы решили переехать. They decided to move uh, a year and a half ago. And is it just because there's more competitions here in the U.S.? What what went into the decision to leave Kazakhstan? Что послужило решением уехать из Казахстана? There weren't any perspectives in Kazakhstan and they couldn't see any more opportunities, so they decided to move. And, and is it difficult to move from Kazakhstan to the U.S.? Is it a big adjustment in terms of culture and, uh, and obviously not speaking the language? Like, well, that must be a very difficult move. You had each other, which is good, but um, that, that was, how difficult was that? Как сложно было переезжать с Казахстана в Россию в плане языка культуры? There were no difficulties with the culture, but there were problems with the language because when they left Kazakhstan, they left their comfort zone and they had to struggle with the language. Вот. И, ну, несмотря на все трудности, мы настроены решительно, мы хотим остаться здесь и будем делать все возможное для того, чтобы влиться в американскую культуру и чтобы нас здесь полюбили. But despite all the difficulties, they're determined to uh, assimilate to the culture and общество. Yeah, and American society. What's, what is, like, culturally, when I think, like, Eastern European, how different is it the way people carry themselves in Eastern Europe than like the U.S. Well, Kazakhstan is Asia; it's not Eastern Europe. Oh, is that straight? It's Asia. Mentality might be similar. So, so, so Kazakhstan's not even Europe. No, it's not. Ah. It's 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 Eurasia. It's an Asian part of Eurasia. Eurasia. Okay. Yes, the the name of the continent, Eurasia. Gotcha. Okay, so it must be different culturally then, like how people carry themselves. Was it different when you came from Kazakhstan to the U.S.? Was it, how, how different was it? How do people, if I'm trying to understand the difference between how people carry themselves? Yeah, there is a big difference in mentality, but right now the younger generations, the the, the current society is is more like westernized. In America, everybody has their own opinion, and everybody lives as they want. А в Казахстане люди больше обращают внимание. In Kazakhstan, people care more about what other people will think about them. Ah. It influences the mentality a lot and the way you uh, do, do your decision. 
Society, they're like rebels, and that was their main difference from everybody else. Oh, when they were back in Kazakhstan, gotcha. Yeah, when they were back in Kazakhstan, they were more like rebels because they would think for themselves instead of thinking what others will think. Ah, gotcha. In 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 like in terms of social media and things like that, is that as big? Because in powerlifting, when we're trying to find powerlifters. It's very difficult to find, you know, lifters from Eurasia and some of these, like Eastern Europe and and um, the old Soviet bloc. Is 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 social media just not as big in that region of the world? And do you find it's far more prominent once you move to the U.S. Now you're doing far more social media podcasts and posting and stuff. Наши социальных медиа распространены распространены ли они среди спортсменов? Everybody's using social media, and just a small note from me: in Kazakhstan, Instagram is one of the biggest social medias. Is that right? Everybody. Yeah, sometimes it's difficult to find some lifters, but I guess maybe it's just maybe not looking in the right places then. Right? I guess, I guess, because sometimes, uh, well, maybe then it's just Kazakhstan is is a lot more. Because I notice like a lot of lifters. Um, from other places like maybe Ukraine, etc. I, I can't find anything on them for like social media wise. But um, I guess it's very big still in Kazakhstan. So um, in terms of when you got over here, did you was it easier transitioning because the powerlifting community, you already knew people and they already knew you, which made it a lot easier? Речь здесь в том, что здесь вся аутическая комьюнити, она очень огромная. Здесь очень сильно поддерживается. Everybody is hating on each other in powerlifting community. What really? Why do you think that is? Special mentality. Wow. And why do you think that is? And how so as well? It's just the the mentality is like that. It just maybe competitive, not supportive. Yeah, the, the Russian might be in awe because of you, but he'll never say and just say the bad stuff about you. But uh, we'll never admit that he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but in person, they'll be nice. But behind your back, uh, in the social media, they'll be nasty. Gotcha. Writing bad comments. Would there be like a local rivalry between like Russian lifters, Kazakhstan lifters, and, and different lifters in different regions like that? Was there any rivalry between it? No. Not really? Okay. Uh, lifters are, are trying to be friends, more or less. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just the the genuine feelings and the way they express themselves online yeah. is different. Неважно, с какой ты страны, то есть если мы знакомы с российскими спортсменами, то всегда стараются на соревнованиях друг друга поддерживать, помогать. Can you say it louder, please? Um, I, I was just asking about the U.S. Open that just passed. That battle with Steffi Cohen was amazing. I mean, you guys went toe-to-toe and totally stole the show. Uh, everybody was talking about it. It was probably one of the best battles I'd seen in powerlifting, and we've been covering it for a while. Did you know well ahead of time that you wanted to drop down into her weight class to meet her head-to-head? And what went into that decision? Did, just because it'd make a better battle and it'd help your Wilkes, or I just want to get a little insight into that. She had two reasons for dropping the weight and going to the different category. Сделала оговорку, да, Стефи Коэн, она никогда не комментирует э, наши фотографии, никогда не пишет, никогда не лайкает. Gotcha. Но в один день Сергей был за полтора месяца до соревнований. And he wrote the caption, that feeling when you're the strongest person in the world and nobody's stronger than you. And whose, whose picture was that? It was Marianne's picture. Oh, okay. Это была шутка. Это был шуток. 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 Это был и с того момента я обратилась к Сергею, я сказала, сделай, пожалуйста, все возможное для того, чтобы я выиграла эти соревнования. Первая причина, потому что когда я переехала в Америку, я питалась уже достаточно правильно, и моя форма была, в принципе, неплохая, и вес был небольшой. The first reason is when she already moved to America, she was having the right diet, and her weight was already small. И 
Сергей посчитал, что если я буду весить 56 килограмм, что я смогу сделать вилкс, который никто никогда еще не делал. So Sergey calculated if you would weigh 56 kilos, then she'll do the wilks that nobody ever did. И мне эта цифра очень сильно понравилась. She really liked the, the number 720 kilos. And she really wanted to do the 720 And she understood that in order to become successful in America, there is no other way but this one. Мне надо выиграть, мне надо выиграть фаворитку Америки. She had, she had to win the favorite of America. Да, и особенно, особенно после того, как я проиграла на прошлых соревнованиях. Especially after she lost during the last tournament. Um, and did she know, so I got a couple questions off this. Um, I want to double back to the, the, the point that she said 720 Wilkes. That's crazy that she was thinking 720. I had Steffi Cohen on the podcast um, before the U.S. Open. Steffi Cohen thought around 700 should win. And we thought that was crazy. Like, Steffi's like, I think 700 should win it. And Steffi ended up being like 698. She, she ended up being where she thought. And we were all like, probably, because that's crazy. Um, the fact that you were thinking, I'm thinking 720, that, that's like, uh, I mean, it's pretty nuts to have gone in there. Now, sometimes you hear people get really ambitious and throw big numbers up. And then when the day comes, you're like, ah, I don't know. Maybe we have to pull back a little. Both you and Steffi had huge numbers. 700, I thought was huge. 720 is, is, is ridiculous. And both you guys hit what you wanted. So both of you guys had a phenomenal day. Um, but did you... Like, where did 720 come from? Did you think Steffi was coming around 700 and you'd need that heavy? Like, did you know she'd be that good as well? Откуда 720 Вокс взялась эта цифра в голове? Вы думали, что Стефи будет тоже? Если честно, мы ее недооценивали, мы думали, что она сделает только 680. To be honest, they underestimated her and they thought that she'll do only 680. Oh, wow. So when she came close, you're like, okay, this that was a good scrap. So he has crazy numbers in his head and he likes to win with the like with the big differences. Yeah. Not by one or two points, but did it did it go into Um, some of the factors in terms of moving into that weight class and going head to head with Steffi, if you were a weight class up and you won, it wouldn't have been as dramatic. It wouldn't have been the battle that it was. The fact that Steffi Cohen is probably the, the biggest power lifter probably right now in powerlifting with the, one of the biggest followings because you went head to head with the biggest star in powerlifting. How, did you realize it would be that much bigger when people watched it? More people would be talking about it and then have a bigger impact. Did some of that go into your decision to drop down and meet Steffi head to head? Because if you beat her when you were a weight class up and you beat her on Wilkes, that'd be good. 
but it was so much better to watch. Like as a sport, when you're in the same weight class, it, it was a phenomenal battle. Did you tell yourself ahead of time, I want to go against the biggest star in powerlifting. That's how everyone's going to recognize me if I go toe-to-toe with Steffi in her weight class. Was that part of the decision to drop down? Ну что, посознавали, когда вы хотели на класс ниже? Масштаб того, какой большой результат это будет, сколько будет публичности и личности. So that was actually on purpose. They live with this adrenaline of the grandiosity of the events and the results. That that's what actually drives them: the drama and the intensity. And and I noticed too. Um, you made the decision. So when it was announced that you were dropping into Steffi Cohen's, we were all like, holy shit. Because we, we didn't see that coming. Um, and I remember Steffi, I think I messaged Steffi. And, and Steffi's like, okay, well, it is what it is. We'll, we'll, we'll let it go. But so was it also part of the idea to hold that decision back until right before and then drop it on everybody to try to rattle the competition? Like, was that part of the psychological game? a part of it as well to kind of not let everyone know you're going to drop down the weight class until the very end. Вы держали это до последнего, чтобы Да, это был секрет, это был секрет, это было нормально. Да, мы не были уверены, что я смогу, смогу ли я или нет. Но вас не секрет, because they weren't sure at first we were be able to do this or not. И мы старались это держать в тайне, потому что я я не люблю много говорить, я And they try to keep it a secret because they don't like to talk about it first. She wanted to make sure that she'll be able to do it. She'll do it, and then they'll tell. It's, I mean, when it it made it way more dramatic. Like if you had told people ahead of time and you had signed up for that weight class and everyone knew you're coming in the weight class, um, it wouldn't be as dramatic. The fact that it's right before everybody was talking about it, like that was a big deal. It's well played in terms of creating hype and making the battle hype. That was amazing. How hard was it to make that cut? And 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 was it a, a big water cut? I want I want a bit of details because I remember you're posting that that was brutal. Um, just how how tough was it, and what did you have to do to make that cut? Да, это было, это было очень тяжело, потому что а, на то время я уже похудела достаточно много, и мне приходилось еще а, подключать да, диуретики и сбрасывать воду. А, я себя очень плохо чувствовал, я об этом читал, я, я об этом писала в, в посте, но а, в эту ночь Сергей подошел ко мне и сказал, если ты не выдержишь, то мы поставим сейчас тебе капельницу и... It was, it was hard uh, in the very beginning. We had to do the diuretics, also the the IVs. It was very intense for them. In in terms of the procedure, so how much water did she take out of her body to try to drop down? Just water, ten pounds. Just how many? How many pounds? Sorry. Ten. 
10 pounds? Okay, that's not too bad. And it's, did she... it's, uh, it's just water. Just water. Just water, yeah, yeah. Actually, 10 pounds at your body weight's a pretty high percentage, actually. I was, uh, I'm just thinking when I do 10 pounds, not too bad. That's okay. <laughs> that's friendly done back here. No worries. Yeah, 10 pounds of body. Do you can you do the math? Do you have your phone on you? What 10 pounds at um 133 pounds is? That's probably simple math, but I am absolutely terrible. You have glasses, so she you should have this. Seven percent. Seven and a half percent. Wow, that's that's decent. That's a decent chunk. Was that um had you done water cuts previously? Like did you test that out or did you just do it for the first time at the competition? They have experience doing the cuts, learning this from the very first uh, competition for, for, for all the seven years. Not not as much though, not as much water in the beginning. And do you do to, to cut the water? This time I decided to cut more. To cut the water. Do you like water load and manipulate sodium or do you water load, manipulate sodium and have to sweat it out in a sauna or a bath as well? Just a, just a little bit of insight on the procedure or does she not, she doesn't have to tell the procedure if it's a secret. All, all the popular procedures, they, they try. No secrets. And so so is, it, is it having to sweat it out as well? Can you repeat it, please? Uh, so, did she have to sweat that out, or she has water load? Theoretics only. Oh, okay. No, no sweating out. Okay, so it's much easier. Gotcha. And then after you weighed in, um, did you feel strong when you first went out there, or were you a little nervous that you might be a little weaker because you dropped down? I remember when it, when it was announced you were dropping down into the weight class. First, I was excited and I was shocked. And then I was like, kind of wondering how it would impact your lifts. Because you hadn't done a cut like that before. Were you wondering, oh my God, I hope I bounce back? Because did you feel depleted when it first happened? Yeah, after waiting and she started recovering because she has... To talk Но на самом деле я абсолютно всегда чувствую себя лучше и сильнее, когда я немного сбрасываю Sylvie has, has like seven years of experience working with, with her body, so he knows all the, the processes. Makes it a lot easier to have a coach that you've been with for years. As opposed to when someone's when you're new with somebody and like you said, you don't know their body, you don't know how they react to um, you know, whether it's the program or whether it's the water cutting, weight cutting, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, so having said that. 
you have a new athlete you've been working with, Cece. How has that training been going? And um, you guys train a lot together. They're working for three months, and he's applying all his experience. And with her, they also try to cut the water. Yeah, it's easier for Cici to to cut it because she has natural differences from Mariana. Mm-hmm. And does Marianne and Cici work out a lot together training? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes separately. And in terms of devising their programs, are they relatively similar? Like when you... Because Mariana, you've been working with her for so long, you know what works for Mariana. When you get a brand new athlete like Cece, who's already world class, do you take what she's been doing and and review that and change it a little? Do you start completely clean and just throw her on a, a basic program and see what happens? What do you do when you take an athlete who's already established and start from there? He doesn't have the cookie cutter programs. It's always individual. He calculates the cycle two or three months. And every training he calculates calculates it based on the previous one. Gotcha. So observes and learns and plan is changing every time so when you have a brand new athlete and you don't have a, a previous cycle to work with um like Cece, when she came in and, and you hadn't worked with her before that where do you start off with you just start off with what she was doing before or because i would i would assume like the more you work <laughs> he doesn't care about their past and previous cycles you just start them off like so what did you what program did you give her initially then when she first came over? Program Yeah, he gave her the program so she would become the strongest person. Gotcha. When she first came to him, she was very weak because of the, the personal And she kind of re- reversed back um, regarding the strength. Yeah. And first they had to recover and then they had to... And the more you work with Cece, um, the more you'll know, you'll learn about her, learn what works for her, and then just the better the programming gets for her, and then she gets better and better. So um, down the road, though, are, are we going to see Cece and Mariana, kind of like Steffi and Mariana, in the same competition battling it out, do you think? <laughs> Like both in raps, both. So what, is it going to be tough for you? Is it difficult for you when you're programming for both of them, um, knowing that they're going to be going head to head like that? 
это самый частный вопрос. That's the, the most common question that he gets. <laughs> yeah. uh, мало кто из людей верит, что можно до конца быть преданным и жене, и другой ученице. Not, not, not many people believe that you can be loyal at the same time to your wife and your other student. Но uh, я скажу так, что моя профессиональная гордость выше всего этого. Yeah, but his professional pride is above everything. When he works with Cici, he makes everything possible so she wins against Mariana. <laughs> When he works with Mariana, <laughs> he makes sure that she is going to defeat everyone. So, and he also motivates them individually depending on, on their personalities. Uh, yeah, because coaching oftentimes could be a lot of it can be mental as well. Like, do you find there are some athletes that they need a little more like mental psychological prep and, and push and some athletes you just step back and you don't have to help on that mental side? Like, do you like getting involved in terms of the mental side? I know... Because you're training your wife, you're definitely going to be in there talking about if, if they're anxious, anxiety leading into a competition, stuff like that, like, because you're the husband and the coach. But does that make it more difficult at times? You know, how do you feel about that? He thinks it's impossible, almost impossible to train the wife, but... But, but, but they're the exception. They're married just for two, two years, but he's been her coach for, for seven, so that's why it makes it possible. If they, were, if they were married before, then it would be more difficult mentally and psychologically. Is that because... Also, Mariana says she's very disciplined, that's why it's easy. <laughs> What differentiates Mariana from everybody else is incredibly strong personality. Strong-willed. And, um, so with different athletes, do you have to approach them mentally differently? Do you like getting involved? Like psychologically, like dealing with their anxieties and whatnot, or do you, or do you not involved on in that respect? Because I know some coaches, some coaches do, some coaches don't. Thirty percent of his approach is is actually working with people psychologically yeah. with all the anxieties and so on. You know, like I think that's one of the biggest that people overlook. Like, there's a lot of people who will sell a program. And they'll have a Skype meeting and talk about your lifts, but they're not calling you the night before and, and going over mental prep, like and bringing them down, the excitement down and being like, pace yourself out there. Don't blow out all this on nervous energy early and just helping them. Like psychologically, I don't think coaches often give enough support. You know, that's why like, it's good that when you said like about 30% of that could be psychological, it's huge. I don't think it's, it's. It's not overstated enough, especially with a big competition. Um, how do you find, is it like that with CC? When you first get an athlete, do you have to build that trust to get there? Especially CC coming from her situation. 
you know, like it, it was not to get super deep into her personal situation, but it was, it was different. You know, was it a little different taking on Cece with what she was leaving and, and building that trust in that psychological, was that a huge chunk or was it like, was it more difficult? It was difficult because of mentality differences and also the, the trust issues. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they lost the, the, the right, the psychological contact for like around one month during these three months that they've been training. But now for the last three weeks, the psychological contact and understanding is, is perfect. Yeah. And he hopes that he'll see the result of this, you know, on the bus of bosses. Yeah. And um, so is, is it like this, the CC in terms of a language barrier, do you guys talk with like an interpreter? Does she know what you're saying or how does that work? Как у вас барьер в языковой сессии? Как у вас Thanks to CC, the, their language is actually improving and they are more fluent in English now. And they, they, they also became very close friends. They're like one family. And CC very respects Mariana even too much. And when you go, he, he said yesterday to CC that when you go to this platform, forget that you and Mariana are friends. And he explained why he said it this way. Because Mariana is always a good friend and very caring person. But when Mariana enters the platform, she'll just destroy everyone. And she'll have no mercy. She'll have no mercy for anyone and no friendship, no, no tears will stop her. And even Sergei will not be able to negotiate. <laughs> so, so when do we think the first time Cece and Mariana will meet in competition, both in raps, both in the same division, battling out? When, when do you think that'll be? Kenya's uh, Open. That'll be good. And are you going to go into what weight class do you think you'll compete in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be something awesome because he's going to be representing two athletes. And when you guys meet, when CC and Mariana meet in competition, how are you going to work handling? Because 
that's difficult. Like game day, the strategy in terms of powerlifting, I don't got to tell you guys, but it's not always the strongest person wins. Sometimes it's the person that, you know, plays the game the best, the temp selection, et cetera. Um, how will you do the handling when your two top stars go head to head? One of them's your wife, right? So, so you, so how would you, how are you going to handle that? Как вообще эту ситуацию будешь разворачивать, когда один атлет, когда представляешь, что твоя жена, а другая сиси тебя, она чтобы идти в Я не смогу. So once again, is at the platform. He's the coach and oh, just the coach. There is no wife, no friends, nothing. Ну как будет? Будет сначала одно you know, who's, you're, you're trying to keep positions, so that would be more difficult to, to do. But I guess because they're in two different divisions, Mariana's day is done. You just make her go nine for nine, you did your job, right? So easier to do it that way, right? So what's, what's the question? <laughs> like, could you, could you foresee them ever being, could you ever foresee yourself handling two people in the same division? В одной дивизии можешь предвидеть, чтобы они губами столкнулись? Конечно, я это жду. Он делает and what are we looking at in terms of next year? Because 720, I, we never thought we would see a 720. And that's a huge jump from the U.S. Open previously um, when, when she came in third. What are we looking at do you think is reasonable for the top three at the next U.S. Open? Because I'm assuming everybody's going to be in the 700s now, which is crazy to say. What do you think is going to be the winning Wilkes at the next U.S. Open 2020? They're following their principles. They, they're not going to tell. Unless they do it, then they tell about it. After the last US Open, like 720 is the max that they actually hoped for. Do, do you think um, there's a possibility that the 720 Wilkes might fall at the Bossa Bosses? 
So CC is is incredibly strong. The only thing he worries about is her like uh, psychological state. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the head and the nerves. So nothing's gonna drop. <laughs> yeah, and that's understandable. But now she's ready. And do you think Steffi Cohen might be able to bridge that gap to 720? She's pretty close, 698. It's not the craziest. Do you think she might have a possibility as well as maybe hitting that 720? Well, they're assuming that she actually might, might do more. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be something? It just makes it a better show when you guys meet again. Um, yeah, Boston. Yeah, Boston is going to be a big show. We're hoping. When does Mariana? When is she coming back? When's the next competition for you? nineteenth of October. It's a small competition. Just, just for fun, are you gonna, are you gonna go like as big as possible with sleeves, no, trying no, to get a big total? No, 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 as a coach and as an athlete, how do you both want to be remembered? powerlifting is just to rewrite the history. Is to squat as as much as nobody ever did before. Even men. And uh she dares to dream about the highest and she wants people when they're talking about powerlifting, me, Mariana, Gasparian. So she wants these two words to be synonyms. And, and do you, what's a message to any of the girls who want to take you out in terms of being the queen of powerlifting? Because right now you're the top dog. Do you have any message for anybody who's coming for your title of, of number one in the world? Для тех, кто хочет за твоим титулом. Я думаю, что лучшее наставление нужно мечтать как можно больше. самые высокие цели для того, чтобы достичь максимума. 
say right now is to dream big and to set the highest goal so you can reach the maximum. You have to dream just to uh, lift five kilos more. Dream big, dream bigger. You have to dream about 100 kilos more. <laughs> Fair enough. And how would you like to be remembered, Sergey? Can you say again, please? Uh, how would how would he like to be remembered when he looks back as as his at his career as a coach? It's going to be a long answer. That's okay. <laughs> because he has his own view of the powerlifting world. Especially about how the athletes are training. He's enraged. Because he thinks that 90% of the approaches are completely wrong. And he doesn't understand how come in the age of uh, information, when there's so much available on the internet and the books, people are still doing the, the wrong stuff. For the, for the last 60 years, everybody's training the same way for the 60 years. Nobody wants to improve Nothing new. And just keep repeating themselves. <laughs> Got you. And now that I have you guys on there, is there anybody that you guys want to thank? And also, if somebody wants to get a hold of you for coaching, how do they do so? Probably that it's going to... Could you elaborate on this question? Like, uh, uh, yeah. So if they if they just want to thank sponsors or thank anybody, Russell Kern, the friends and sponsors. Yeah, California Elite Training Center, the gym, where they're training. Yeah, it's the it's the family of theirs. Marina wants to also mention that before they moved to America in Kazakhstan, they had no sponsor at all, sponsors at all, and they had to do everything themselves. Oh, wow. It wasn't beneficial for sponsors to invest in athletes who are far away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is very thankful and grateful to all the sponsors that she has. In this year she got four sponsorships. And she is very grateful to each one of them. Mm-hmm. 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 
Потому что я благодарна, потому что я знаю, что такое готовиться на соревнования, ездить на соревнования без спонсорской помощи. Если с вами связано насчет того, что вы тренировали, как вы вас достучат? Я в Инстаграме буквально сегодня пост сделал об этом, что мне можно написать или в Инстаграме я подготовил. Сергей just posted the post on Instagram that if somebody wants him to coach them, they can DM him. Okay. Я пока онлайн не тренирую, потому что я считаю, что лучше быть хорошим спортсменом и не отвлекаться на тренерскую Thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. I really appreciate the interpreter uh, taking time out of his day to help out. And I would love to have you guys back on in the future. Sound good? Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank okay. You. Have a good day. Good luck. Thank you. Too. You. you too. Thank you. <laughs> well, there we have it. It's a little international flavor. I mean, look, it's difficult sometimes to do to do like an interview when you've got... Um, You, I mean, there's an interpreter there, and sometimes you hear big answer, and you don't necessarily, you know, the interpretation might be a couple sentences. You're like, oh, all right, or you're you're pushing towards a certain line of questioning. Yeah. But hey. I think it's important to have people from around the world. Like, if I don't care if you're in Kazakhstan, you should be on here and have your your story told and have some questions out there and, and question answer style. Oh yeah, like. Uh, there's probably not too many interviews from people uh, in Kazakhstan. Uh, I didn't even know too much about Kazakhstan before this. And yeah. I wish I got a little more out of them in terms of um, what life is like in Kazakhstan. Look, I don't know nothing about Kazakhstan. I didn't. I thought it, I was saying Europe. It's Asia. You know, yeah. I, I was like trying to get a little more like, oh, it's very different. But yeah. like, uh, cool. Like, how so though? You know what I mean? Like in terms yeah. of exactly what but um that's why it's a good thing that we have these people on here if we get to know a little bit more about their countries for next time yeah i wish i got a little little more but once yeah. we start talking powerlifting we're on the same page yeah you um, know like early goals i was trying to pull out a little more about kazakhstan yeah. i don't feel like we got a whole heck of a lot yeah. of a better idea of how yeah. life is like in kazakhstan yeah. you know but <laughs> like got the numbers out there though i would <laughs> yeah well yeah but that's the google <laughs> stuff right i could google how many people live in kazakhstan yeah. but um But as soon as we got into powerlifting, we're talking. Yeah. We're smooth sailing. As soon yeah. as we're like, all right, gotcha. Let's shift gears. Like, for instance, when we had Garrett Fear on, um, fuck, man, that guy could talk, talk to you about growing up and talk to you about what life was like growing up. And you got like, a, like an amazing story from it. Yeah. But um, sometimes you can't always get that necessarily if there's a bit of a uh, you know, disconnect in terms of translation. But we switch gears, get into powerlifting. Yeah. Well, that's we're both on the same page there. Yeah, you know what I'm you, talking about then? Oh, yeah. As soon as you started talking about that and you started mentioning the numbers, the uh, 700 and 700. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we talk. Yeah. 
That yeah. oh, you meant like that way? Yes. Yeah. yeah no, I got you. The numbers are the same in any language, and you right. can see your eyes really light up. Yeah. She's like, okay, let's talk. Or let's talk, Steffi Cohen. Yeah. W- what was it like to move into Steffi Cohen's weight class? She's the biggest name in the sport. Oh, yeah. Like you, that had to have played on the decision. I'm sure, you know, beating her is one thing. Beating her head to head in the same weight class is a much bigger battle. It made it so much more entertaining. You know, if possible, getting in there, that had to be a role, being like, look at I'm, I can become a breakthrough star if I do this, if yeah. I pull this off. And I like how he was talking about, like, he, she didn't even want to beat her by just a few uh, kilos. She wanted to beat her by a whole bunch to make it. A statement. Like, yeah, undisputable. It, and, and look, at Steffi Cohen came in there, um, like, Steffi Cohen had a phenomenal day. Like, I, she was like, Two wilks shy of 700. Steffi Cohen leading into this was like, I think 700 should win it. And um, if I could pull off 700, like that should do it. And I was thinking, holy shit, 700. The year before, we were at like 667. 667. Like that's a mark improvement. I thought, wow, that's really high. That's like I thought that was crazy. Yeah. I was like, Steffi, I, yes, 700 should win it. And if you can hit 700, my God, like you're a God. But, um, and she did. You know, I said like 698, basically 700. And um, it just wasn't enough that day because, look, Marianne ended up hitting 720, which is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, it came out of nowhere too. Or well, somewhat of nowhere. Well, like, like we knew she was good, but never 720. Like, yes, we all, yeah, we knew Marianne was a threat. Yes, we thought it's going to come down to Steffi and Marianne most likely. But 720? The, like, if you look, it's, it's uh, just a huge jump. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, going in there, I thought if if Steffi hit seven hundred, that'd be that. So when Marianne hit seven twenty, when Marianne said, you know, right before, oh, by the way, I weighed in and I'm in Steffi's class now. We're going head to head. You know that with the excitement levels jump. I remember first thing I did, I messaged Steffi. I'm like, oh shit, she, ah, you know, let him come. It's okay, let it come. But you know, Steffi and Marianne are both very confident as they should be. They're doing things that are ridiculous. Of course they believe in themselves. Look, at Steffi's telling herself, relax, homie, I got 700 in my back pocket. Let her come. And any other year, 700 would fucking destroy everybody. It would destroy everybody of all time. Those two battled it out, and that was the number one and number two Wilkes of all time. That, like, Steffi's telling herself, don't worry, I'm going to hit 700 as planned, and nobody's ever been close to 700. She would have been right. Any other fucking day, <laughs> except for that day. Yeah. So it's yeah, you can't gonna... you can't fault either one of them for being confident. And coming in, she said that she really was focused on that seven twenty total. She believed it the whole time that she was going to hit that. Yeah. Well, she must have, in terms of her scouting, told herself, you know, look at. I mean, it's it's tough when you're crunching numbers if you're being too ambitious and you're just way outside the box. You could chase numbers that aren't realistic, start missing lifts, and go five for nine or bomb, and it's like you just way overshot. And like we've all had those competitions where it's like, what were you thinking? Like you were really loading up. Like you were not realistic, you know? And that happens. So when you walk in there saying 720, like I swear to God, if she would have told me 720 walking in, I'd be like, you you better settle, settle down. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like you, I thought Steffi was talking big when she said 700. I was like, Steffi, that sounds big, man. Like, whatever. What do I know? But that sounds big. Both girls hit what they, both girls hit that. You know, both girls were, were hitting some major numbers. Yeah, they were both walking in pretty much saying that they're going to break records. They, they walked into that competition saying, I'm going to break a record today. Yeah, like nobody's ever hit 700. Well, I'm going to hit 700. Nobody's ever hit 720. Well, I'm going to hit seven. Both of them you would have thought was wildly ambitious. I do like how 
Um, so they said when asking them straight up, did you expect that from Steffi? Like a 700 from Steffi? Because when I heard 700, I'm like, oh shit, I, hopefully she's not swinging for the fences and misses. And they're like, nah, we thought maybe 680. We didn't think she'd hit 700. We're still coming for 720. We still wanted to make a statement at 720. We thought 680. And, um, and look, Steffi came to rumble. But, so then asking them, what do you think now? Now that you know she hit seven, well, 698. Sorry, I, I keep correcting myself. She, like, it's so <laughs> close. Yeah. It's easy to just round to seven. But now you know she's basically a 700 Wilkser. She's about to compete at Boss of Bosses. Now are you telling yourself, oh, shit, my 720 Wilkes, which is the record, could fall. And they're yeah. both like, look, at previously, a couple months ago, we thought she was a 680-er. Now, yeah, we yeah. think she might. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, as a matter of fact, I think both of Marianne and Sergey said, I think she's going over 720. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. she's going to take that and run with it. Yeah, she set the bar at 720. She knows that she's got that in here. But, and then, yeah, yeah, so Steffi's thinking, well, Steffi got 698, but she's looking at it like, when I walk in there, boss of bosses, and I think this is, I, I mean, I don't want to quote this because I don't know when I'm going to drop this podcast within a week, but it's coming up at the end of August. It's, there's a chance. And that makes that rivalry. Already, the Steffi Cohen and Mariana battle was one of the best battles I'd seen in powerlifting this year. If Steffi Cohen comes back and takes that 720 to like 721, 725, whatever the hell, that rivalry becomes so much sweeter and when they go head-to-head, oh, God, I hope they're in the same weight class again. Because then it's you go, then I go. You go, then I go. As opposed to we're doing Wilkes's by calculator. I've gone, and then later on you go. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're in the same flight. Maybe, who knows, with the shit, right? It was better because they were back-and-forth battle. It's always better yeah. like that. You get the live battle. It's kind of like tennis. Like, this person gets a point, and this person gets yeah, a point. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Shift it. Yeah, yeah, throw the ball over yeah. to my side of the court. Thank you. And then now let me throw it back over to you because I just yeah. hit a big squat. And we're yeah, going yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Far more entertaining um, as opposed to if there's a gap between them and you're more breaking out of the calculator trying to see. Um, the one thing I do want... Uh, the one question I got in there, I think it was lost in translation. So... He would handle Mariana and CC going head to head. Okay, good. Yeah, no conflict of interest really because Mariana's gonna it's gonna be on Wilkes if they go head to head. They're obviously like sixty pounds apart. They're way different weight classes. It's yeah. so like you said, a different time. Like different time. Like yeah. her her day is done. Mariana, you're trying to get look at I'm gonna make you go nine for nine. You're not battling out I go, then you go like you said, like a tennis match, <laughs> volleying back and forth. We're not battling like that. I'll have my tennis match with someone else, Steffi Cohen, and I'll finish with whatever I finish. Then later on, CeCe comes, and I'm just going to try to do the best I can. That's not a conflict of interest. It's not whatever. But I was trying to ask, like, what if, like, that scenario is not going to happen because of that. But what if they, what if he does have to handle two athletes toe-to-toe, same fucking weight class? U.S. Open, we're talking 20K. On like twenty thousand US on the line, yeah, big money on the line there. And you're doing the attempt selection, and it comes down to the last deadlift. That's gonna be huge. You're telling me that's not, and you're, you know, twenty k on the line. We're down to the last deadlift, and you're gonna choose what I pull, and you're gonna choose what you pull, and you're, you're, it's that's getting, yeah, like when there's money involved, things are getting tight. Now all of a sudden it could, you know, it's, it's. I definitely have that money in the back of my mind, like. Well, they not definitely need a new car. Well, it's just like I don't know, man. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. That that's where I don't. Th- I think that got lost in translation. 
Um, he's like, yeah, but, uh, but anyways, I'm just interested, but I don't know if that scenario is going to come up. Anybody who's in Mariana's weight class that he's coaching, unless you're Steffi Cohen's probably getting her ass whooped. So there isn't going to be a conflict of interest. It's not going to come out to the desk last deadlift. I really like that professionalism that he had though, where he said that when I step on the stage, he said, I'm not a, a wife or a friend. I'm a coach. Yeah, I'm not so, husband or yeah. friend. I'm oh, not a boy. I'm, sorry. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> hey, he goes, I, when you step on stage, hey, I'm nobody's bitch. Watch your mouth. Okay, <laughs> that's what I, I, think, I think that got lost in translation as well, yeah. Robbie. Well, I think you, yeah, you might need a but, translator for me too. <laughs> I'm not a wife or husband. Hopefully don't I'm don't don't gender rule me. Is that what you were saying? I'm not a wife or husband. I'm not a he or she. Watch yourself. Okay. Don't don't. Uh, you took this in a whole political stance. I was looking, and you know what? I support that shit too. Hey, you let me know, right? We don't have to. We don't have to go that route. Thank you. Hopefully, they listen to an interpreter when they watch this, that's, and then they, they correct right. it for me. So they'll be like, "What?" Even with the interpreter, like I don't know what the fuck that guy's talking about. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but no, I know what you mean. Where. Yeah, like, okay, I get it. When we step on there, I'm not your husband. I'm your handler. But we're going to go home, okay? And it's going to be a long ride. It's going to be a long fucking weekend. Come on, man. There's got to be something. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Who knows? They'll sort it out. Someone would be walking home. Somebody's. It's gonna be. A, it's gonna be a long ride if you make the wrong call. If it came down to the last deadlift, twenty thousand dollars, and and it doesn't just impact your lifter. You're married. You're both walking home with twenty k. If you were toe to toe handling two people, one than the other, and twenty k on the line, oh, how are you not gonna be? Come on, man. That's twenty k in your pocket if you're married with the person. You know. Now it's not the case. With Mariana and Cece, the two different weight classes, they're not going toe to toe. One woman's done, then the other day starts. It's okay. not the same. But okay. I'm just saying, if they're the same weight class okay. and you're trying to work, it's like two boxers boxing. You can't run one side of the ring, give instructions, go to the other side of the ring, be like, look, I just told her to throw the jab, so counter the fucking jab. Yeah. The jab's coming. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It ain't quite going to work if it's in the same yeah. arena. 20K in a line on top of that, and you're married to one person. you might have a little bias you might have a little bias hey i'm gonna have i'm gonna put this in for your last deadlift and my wife's gonna deadlift two and a half kilo over (laughs) that's just the way it's gonna go sorry i'd probably accidentally put the wrong attempt in it's just accidentally just put a little bit under this is what i'm talking about but anyways i don't think i got it i don't think i don't think that's gonna happen nobody that he's coaching in mariana's weight vicinity that might be in the same flight as her at the u.s open is gonna be even close Unless he starts fucking handling Steffi Cohen, <laughs> right? Which ain't gonna happen, because um, Steffi's also uh, doing her own thing. So, anyways, glad to have him on. As always, post up in your Instagram stories, um, and, uh, and I'm gonna repost. Appreciate the love, because everybody from all over the world needs to get this exposure. Deserves to have this exposure, even if we got to get an interpreter. I'm glad to have her on. And from Six Pack Lapidat and Robbie Little, peace.